0: And welcome to grog talk I'm James I'm Dan and for those who are watching uh us live or later on YouTube you will see there's a little figure like over here somewhere and this is our one of our good friends from
1: down under the Chamberlain his august potency oh my gosh yeah, I didn't know it. Archduke. Well, that's I didn't know that was going to happen. Archduke, the shrewd guardian of Australia. Mister David Thompson. I shouldn't even have to look. We should have it memorized by now, right? I mean, we always split the title because the title is so long. No- I don't have <laughs> you enough run breath.
0: Out of breath. We're too I don't old.
2: Have enough, have enough breath to say it out. <laughs> David, how are you this morning? I am fine, thank you. Says
0: good, good. Well, so uh, David has uh, decided to join us as we talk about fighters. Uh, today in our continuing series, playing with class uh, in first edition. So we have gone over uh, clerics and druids. And one of our other dear friends, uh, which I don't have his title, the uh, from East Orlando, Ron Christopher, remind us that we talked about clerics. Or we didn't even talk about turning. We forgot about talking about turning. He was uh-huh. on our list. Oh, my. <coughs> I didn't look at the I, list.
1: Not, and you know we have loyal people watch us because they didn't put it down we should do a quick we do a quick segment on that wait can we mention we're coming from the green dragon inn in Port town oh wait we, we're not still in Sudaham? oh man i forgot about that so we we were so drunk that they got threw us yeah. out of the Sudaham and where are we at that's now? why this was here we're at the green dragon inn in Port town oh okay that's been the home sample dungeon oh very good yes because you've been reading that exactly you're preparing for december uh 7th, I think? The Day That Will Live in Infamy? Exactly. My game. <laughs> your game, oh. <laughs> It was. I, I, liken, I liken your D&D game to Pearl Harbor. That's right. <laughs> Surprise attack of, of D&D. Well, very good. Uh, and how's that going so far? Just a real quick segue. How, how are you liking reading the basic from well, Holmes edition? And and uh, I don't know if, if either of you played Holmes. You didn't play
2: I Holmes not. at all. No. Dave,
1: did you ever play the Holmes edition, basic D&D?
2: Yes, yes. Oh, you did? Just only for one, session, for one session.
1: Right. And so what I've noticed is that one of the the things that is a little bit of controversy about, or that people don't like, is that there is no variable weapon damage. All weapon damage. Yeah, all D6. Yeah. All D6. And, and that would be okay, but Dr. Holmes says that some weapons attack twice in a round and some only every other round. So a two-handed sword is every other round. A dagger is twice a round. So why in the world wouldn't you use a dagger and attack twice every round with a, with a, with a DC? a are you, you power don't... gamer? You're min-maxer? No. I, you've taught me I that I need to I approach DMing I like understanding it. that there's going to be power but gamers. That's right. Everyone would have a dagger. That's all we would carry. As, right. You've got that look in your face. You're like, this is awesome. That's right. I want to play Holmes. I want to play Holmes. <laughs> give so me a dagger. Give me dagger. Two daggers. Two magic <laughs> plus attacks. one dags. That's awesome. Uh, so, Just it's, it's, Give, it's give really everyone funny. else two-handed swords. Life would be good. I love it. Well, what I think what we do is we talk about clerics, and then you spend, because you're going to have a lot of time off with the hurricane, right. spend all that time splicing this segment into the last episode. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're Yeah. Mo-
0: I'm taking a page out of your book, Dan, which is The Past is Past. I don't even remember what we talked about. <laughs> That's right. And we're moving forward. So we're going to talk about fighters uh, in our Word of Recall segment.
1: Recall,
2: recall, recall.
0: And so this is why David, uh, our Chamberlain from Australia, eagerly said, hey, do you mind coming on? I'm like, of course. So... Um, you know, it's interesting. They have literally the shortest uh, uh, entry in the player's handbook when it comes to classes.
2: Less than 30 lines. Less yeah. than 30 lines. Yeah.
0: So, uh, and, you know, you could argue that's because people know what a fighter does. They are they fight. They're fighting men if you go back to the old school mm-hmm. way. And um, there's plenty of archetypes. And they've made it as generic as, as possible. And in some ways, uh, we've, we've talked to David previous and um, – mm-hmm. You know, I, I almost feel like they should have made any subclasses. They should just have had fighter, and then people could play it the way they wanted to play it. So, so what's your impression of fighters? What have you used them in your campaign uh, in the past, David?
2: Well, fighters obviously the meat and bone of of a party, and the way that um, I've always tried to encourage my players to to use the class is to. Really get into, try, they don't have to actually, you know, a lot of people are obviously, um, they're not the Matt Mercer level of role-playing, but try to encourage that. Well, what type of fighter, what sort of background, whereabouts you're from, and try and pick certain things from around there. So if you're going to be a pirate or if you're going to be coastal or if you're going to be desert dwelling, or and just try and then have weapons and armour that suit. Uh, people get hung up with the fighter in terms of, well, you know, they've got D10 hit points and they've got exceptional strength, but so does the Ranger and so does the Paladin. And when you, you've you got your, your mixed bag of stats in front of you and you're looking at it and you're going, well, am I just going to choose a fighter, you know? And it's a big question for players to ask themselves in terms of, well, how am I going to play that? Because if you wanted to play it as generic as you could, you'd end up doing a Boromir, which is like the guy in armour and a shield and a sword that has the horn and... Is at the front of the party and fights and so on? you know and and that's obviously one of the uh, archetypes for the the class because you know there's various um, there are so there's, there's so much um, to to work with in terms of fighter, you know whether you go from medieval Europe, whether you pick something that's from a different culture, and you know this is even before we do something like opening up. The fantasy realm of, of Greyhawk, and you're looking across, and you've got Tiger Nomads, and you've got you know all the you know the, the different um, more traditional um, Knight of the Watch type you know armor and everything else, right. and 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 I think that it, that it's the, the the key for the DM and the with the players with the fighter is really working out okay if they roll a low hit points. Right. That, that's really it. <laughs> the, the low hit points or the low money. Like, that, that if your fighter is poor. Then you're going to end up with a staff, a club, and maybe some leather and, and bits of something else until you can beat the crap out of somebody and get better armor and weapons. And if you have um, got low hit points, you're hoping to have some money so that way you can just load up. You know, and that, that's probably the trick for the for the DM more than anything because the fighter does need to have that. If not front roll, it needs to be within that first line you know so maybe it doesn't have to be the if you've got a a four hit point fighter you could be second rank as long as you've got missile weapons you know not so much you have to be but that would be your position because you get experience for fighting that's your thing and you get better at it you don't need to have exceptional strength I think constitution is more important for the fighter but anyway and so that that would be my my uh, my shtick as the DM yeah. is the, uh, if the person rolls a one for the hit points, uh, look, all right, go to three or four, go to four hit points, yeah, because you, you need some, and I think for, you you know, there's a certain amount.
0: You hear that? You can give them more <laughs> hit points. You don't have to no, just say can. one hit
2: point. Because <laughs> oh, look, if you roll a one, if you roll a one and you're a magic user, everyone expects that. No one expects a magic user to have more than four hit points max. They're not going to put the 16 in con. They're going to put the 16 in dexterity. Right. You know, and if you're a fighter, I mean, and this is where the cool stuff of obviously the non-humans, you know, the dwarf and the half-orc with 19 con because they roll a minimum of seven hit points every level, you know. So with 19 constitution, you are just, you don't have to do anything. You roll a one, well, you got seven. That's it. You know, for the normal, if you're a regular human fighter, and you're rolling and you've only got a 14 constitution, you know, and you roll that one, you go, I'm doing you a solid, you do me a solid. You, you don't just, you know, you take your uh, character into consideration and I'll give you four hit points. And I suppose that's, the, that's what you need to uh, look at most in terms of as a DM, and that's, that's really the, the main thing because uh, the fighters need that. The fighters need to be able to feel that they're useful in a party because a cleric can do what they do at first level almost as well. The, uh, the, then you've got folks who are rangers who get all of their special bonuses. Paladins get their special bonuses. Uh, I mean, even monks, you know, they're all reasonably buff to a point, especially at first level. Once you get second or third level, the fighters just – steps ahead that's different but you've got to survive to get to that point right and it's really all about the survival of the character but that's that that's me i'm happy to sort of help the play not you know just help the players along and and keep it an an even sort of a keel in terms of um allowing them some room to move with something like a fighter well as you say there's 30 lines of text
0: yeah well there's and and um you bring up a couple of interesting points you know, and one I haven't really thought of, but that's we're really meta when we say, "Oh, you have one hit point. You know, you shouldn't attack that much." Does the player act? Does the character actually know they have one hit point, or are they just really frail? You know, do you play that as part of your guy? Because we don't have a big number over us of how much. You know, if someone punches me in the face, that I know how many punches I can take, unless you're a trait. You know, you could argue, well, they're fighters, and. During fighter training, he just seemed to go down a lot faster than every other fighter that he went through. But uh, you know, we don't uh, really—you know—they don't have a number on their head, and and I think that would be kind of interesting. The the fighter, the character who plays—I got one hit point, and he's constantly charging. He's like, because he always gets knocked out, he wakes up and like, "Hey, we won!" I don't
1: know. (laughs) Yeah, because do you know you have a glass jaw? I mean, at some point, maybe you start to, but
2: but, you don't have to. And that's, and and Gygax would say that, you know, in his text somewhere, he would say that the fighter would be misstepping. At first and second level, he would be zigging instead of zagging. The gods are like, man, who is this joker? But Gygax's explanation on hit points is so otherworldly. Right. It's more than just, you know, how much punishment you can take. I mean, we know that in a minute's worth of combat, it's not so much one strike. Right. It's one opportunity to strike, you know. And so in that, in that combat round, it's stress, it's movement, it's fatigue. Hit point damage isn't just, you know, an actual knife to the throat or a stab, stab, sure. a stabby stab. It's a number of other um, factors. So, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Ivanhoe. Uh, I
1: yeah,
0: believe I so.
2: 1952 Ivanhoe. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. There's this great scene in there where they've got a uh, tournament between two knights, and one knight just drops his shield and just comes in and is just going smack, 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 smack. smack. Right. and the other one's just really no actual blow is connecting, but it drives him down and just knocks him down and is just like on top of him and he's just, and you can just see you can that that's pure D and D fodder in terms of. You've been hit, you go down, you've been hit again. you know you, you're not actually taking any damage, but you've got all of that fatigue, you've got no luck, you've got a slippery step you've got you know like all sorts of things that are just playing against you in that moment, and that's what it comes down to and I think that as a dm we sort of, you know we try and make the game as entertaining and as exciting, but we all sometimes forget i think and i and, I, and I've been guilty of this. A lot where you just you just sort of immediately assume one dice roll is one attack you know and that's pretty much it and it's not really right you know it's, it's supposed to be that attack routine and so and I think that with a fighter you've got to allow the fighter to be a fighter just a little bit yeah because that's that's their job
0: well and that leads <laughs> it to the second point of you know that because there's limited text that they're an open palette but they are for the, the other challenges, in my opinion, because like you, you know, the amount of experience points they need to go up in levels. If they, um, you know, if I think they are they need too many experience points to go up levels based on the powers that they have. You know, if commensurate it to a ranger or a paladin, there's only a 10%. Um, I think rangers need like 2,250, paladins need 2,500 versus 2,000. So... The amount of skills that they have um, compared to the experience points that you need doesn't seem appropriate. And so that Mm -hmm. almost leads to, you know, you want to fight. I I almost will, and this is why I do allow usually some kind of point buying or skewing to allow the fighter. It really comes down to the advantage they have that no other class has except for their subclass is is the exceptional strength. And even though you can play, it's just like having a fighter with one hit point, if they don't have exceptional strength, it really feels like they're not, they're not moving
2: forward as well. Um, See, I'm, I'm almost on the opposite, not so much the opposite, whereas I think that where they had an opportunity to say, right, the XP bottle should, like in most cases, the XP bottle is like that for most of the classes, whereas the fighter is very even, even in the middle. Yeah, you know, I mean they've only got nine hit dice yeah. as to, for rolling d10, right? And it's only between four, levels four and six where that XP bottle sort of narrows, and then it becomes even again. So it goes up evenly, out a little bit in, and so on. And I think that that's probably the area that fighters really need all their, their um need more help on because an exceptional strength. By the time you're second level, you've got a to hit armor class zero of nineteen at third level, it's 18, by fifth level, it's 16. Suddenly, you know, that that's the same as a 13th level, a uh, 13th level um, thief or something like that, a 12th level thief. So well, let's it, th- they're actual to right. hit. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's why the XP side of it is probably more the actual area that needed to be massaged a bit better, I think. Sure, than, right. You know, because the thief's 1250, the priest or the cleric is 1500. Right. Druid's 2000 and the fighter is also 2000, which right. is sort of, you know, a little bit odd. You would have thought it would have been somewhere between, you know, either 1250 and 15 or right. even between 15 and 12 and 2. I would argue so,
0: I would argue, it even be less because of all the skills, you know, in the context of being a priest where you have to fight, where they, they currently fight first level as well as a fighter, and they have all their priestly duties, which Again, as you've mentioned accurately, Gygax talks about what experience is, and you know, this is a game, and instead of you know figuring out how much prayer you do, which would be more applicable to a pre- uh, cleric than you know actual fighting, they're fighting. They're literally, this is what they should be good at, and if they survive fighting, they should get better at it. I would argue they should be one of the easiest to get through, because thieving, you're doing thieve skills, you have a lot of uh, other skills besides fighting, so I would almost half their... Uh, thing, or, or get it more in line to your point of a thief or a cleric so that they could progress faster. It's it's just the way they're set up if you really look at all of them it's it's hard unless you have a, something in your mind that I want to be a pirate. Rangers are not pirates. Paladins are not pirates. I got to be a fighter. Um, and the reason I keep mentioning that is because I have the cover of A3 here where we have the one of the slave lords yes. which looks like a pirate. So um, the uh, it's It's kind of a disadvantage, but again, if you're looking for party balance and all the characters being similar progression, go play another edition. This is kind of what you get with uh with first edition and I think that segues into the book that shall not be named why that uh, specialization a lot of the players wanted that because if they didn't have exceptional strength, if you got multiple attacks with um and you were good at it, that kind of was a they went from being Necessary to being something that you wanted to play. So, Dan, what's your thoughts on fighter?
1: Well, I had, I was going to ask David if, uh, would you ever play a fighter if you made the roles to be a paladin or uh, a, a ranger? Because, you know, and, and, and yes. you brought this up that, you know, why would you want to be a fighter if you could be? But so, yeah, I wanted to ask you that.
2: But me personally, yes, I would. Because I would have in my head the type of fighter that I would want to fight. If I, if I had in my head, right, I want to be the guy that does. This, then I would have in my head, okay, I want him to be um, almost a paladin, not quite a paladin, not have all the religious duties of being a paladin, but maybe still be lawful, lawful, neutral, lawful good or something along those lines. You know, you could be a little bit more, you're, the lawful good fighter is not the same as the lawful good paladin. So you've got a lot more wiggle room for um, how your alignment works if you're a lawful good, because all you have to do is just have your own set of code of laws and that you believe that you're fighting for the, the good of mankind, you know, the good of people. So you could have the law of Bushido, you could have a code of arms that comes from somewhere else or the history of the group that you've grown up with or the Templars or whatever. Right. You know, you can create your own background and structure, and I would. And I would, I would so celebrate a, a character that did that. I mean, you roll up the stats for a paladin and you're thinking, I'm going to be a fighter. Odds are if you're able to, you know, do the normal 4D6 and discard the lowest and, and range in however you want, It's going to be a non-human half-elf. It's going to be like a half-elven cleric ranger or something like that. I mean, there are only a couple of classes where you would say, I'm going to be a fighter, and that would be the dwarven fighter, a half-orc fighter, and a human fighter. Everyone else is going to be a multi-class fighter because elves only go up to, like, level six normally, you know, maximum of eight or something, And halflings are only going to be four or five. Gnomes are going to be five or something. You know, you've got all those where they're limited to that. And there's a reason why they're limited, which is fine. But it's the other class that's going to be the the primary thing. All the fighter does is bring armor and weapons into your closet. And that's pretty much what they do. And I don't have a problem with that. But as a straight fighter, you're going to be – if you say, I'm going to be a straight fighter – Really, you are going to be Dwarven, and only if you've got an 18, and you're probably still going to be a fighter thief anyway, even as a Dwarf, but you'd be straight up half-orc because any strength level, you're 10. Level 10 is your maximum, and that puts you in the same category as a human in terms of you're going to be building a castle because no one else is going to be building a castle. Only human fighters, half-orc fighters, and Dwarves of 18 strength. They're the only rough fighters, player characters, that will be building... So. A domain and castle. Yeah.
0: So what's what David's talking about is you know of the thirty lines of text that is on there. It talks about um, once you achieve uh, a certain level, ninth, yeah. ninth level, you become a lord. Um, you have the you have the opportunity to build a stronghold and attract followers. And David's point is. It, the only races that can get to ninth level are fighter, uh, half orc, dwarf, and human. So the other ones will never get to that level even it, without some extraordinary magical means. You know their mm. their strength, uh, and even then, it's it's extremely unlikely. Assuming you don't use the book that shall not be named. Hey, Nico, is anything on the chat that's uh, people talking about?
1: No. Okay. So I can so I can be a half orc lord with a castle potentially. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. All
2: right. With twelve cat with uh, twelve charisma. Uh, and with you five, with you and your five best non-half orc mates,
1: so. right? So it, it'd be very roomy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have a lot of space.
2: Well, <laughs> you would. You it would be a very interesting trade negotiation between you and the local lord to say, "Could I have this patch of land over here?" Yeah, because as a half orc fighter, you are going to put that eighteen into constitution, so that way you have nine d ten plus five every level. And with every one being rolled as a two, so like I said, a minimum of seven to a fifteen hit points every single level. So by the time you're a ninth level orc fighter with nineteen con, mm. you are just going to be this. You, like magic users don't scare you in any way, shape, or form. No. You get forty five bonus hit points just from constitution.
0: <laughs> so that's you know that's that brings up an interesting thing because um, one of the things that fighters, I think. Fighters more than anyone, if, if you have a DM that's really going to build a campaign um, and you get to that level, you then can use the items in the DMG from page 105 on, which talks about building your stronghold and, in particular, use of non-human troops. So you could, as a half-orc, you could recruit bugbears or gnolls or goblins or hobbits. You could really lean into that you have a bunch of brigands or pirates and you have... <laughs> Under you know you could have sea hobgoblins, What are those th- mm-hmm. sea hobgoblins with with pirates. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're actually selling me on fighter now, as opposed to them being underpowered, sucky. <laughs> well, and in a half orc fighter, yeah, half orc one, half orc half kobold or something. That'd be amazing. And in, and in that
2: thirty, and in those thirty lines of text, you know, I mean, and again, if you're going to be a human fighter, if you want to have two attacks every round, if you want to have though that attack routine of two per round, because the thirteenth level, yep. Oh, wait, hang on. Who can be 13th level? Only humans can be 13th level because between 7 and 13 or 7 and 12, you've got um, only elves of high strength, dwarves, half orcs. You know, they're going to get three attacks every two rounds. Yeah. You know, that split level, yeah. (laughs) But humans, when they get to 13, get two attacks every round against most creatures. So you're looking at... The benefit of being a human is if you want to have those multiple attacks.
1: Is there ever a benefit to being a half-orc? I mean, you get nothing. Like, the dwarves, every other race gets all these special things, right? The dwarves... You get 19-con. You get 19-con. The 19-con.
2: And you get 10th level of being a half of being a fighter without any requirement of your strength. You get 9 strength and be 10th level.
1: But if you didn't get the 19-con, so if you roll up, if you roll before you choose and you don't get roll in 18, is it really any, unless you want to be what, like a, you know, what is cleric assassin, is that the only, only half orcs? Yeah, I know, for, for cleric. It makes, I was wondering if there, are there any multi-class that only a half orc can be? So is cleric assassin? Yeah, cleric assassin.
2: Yeah. So cleric other assassin. than if you
1: want to be a cleric, assassin, which is. fighter assassin, fighter
2: assassin, fighter assassin.
1: Wait, so unless you want to be a multi-class assassin. Which is amazing. Which is pretty awesome. Right. But if you don't
0: want to be... That's like, if you only want to be, you know, a Superman assassin, if you don't want to be that, why would you be I know, but you're
2: you're evil. Which which actually means that every time when you meet a half-orc as an NPC, there's about a 90% chance that they're a fighter assassin. Right.
1: (laughs) They're some kind of assassin. (laughs) Don't kill me!
2: (laughs) Which means you should kill them instantly. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, but... Yeah, but but there's a good chance your DM is not going to permit you to be an assassin, because that's an evil... I mean, that's a game-changer.
2: Yes. That's literally literally a game-changer. and I, and I think this is one of those other things where I've heard, I've,
1: He's there's, heard there's a number
2: of podcasts where they say, oh, well, you know, like um, a paladins and assassins can't mix. It's like, well, I don't see why they. I personally don't see why a paladin and assassin can't mix. Well, be, besides it, assassin,
0: says it, it says it in the rules they can't mix, but
2: I get More your than point. one adventure. Oh, no, one they, adventure? They, they we get like, one adventure? They dislike like the idea of mixing. Yeah. But realistically, realistically, an assassin is only evil if – at them, you know, they're they're only considered evil because they take money to kill people. Yeah, that's that's Other their, than that. that's their no, shit. What? are you, no, but you guys are the same thing,
0: a, only for that one problem that they have. That's right.
2: Yeah, but it, but so it's like, <laughs> okay, a but like okay for They're lawful, but most assassins would be lawful evil right. because of that. I, I hold to my contract. My contract is to do this, so therefore I belong to a contract and uh, So you're only going to do that if you're lawful evil. If you're a neutral evil or a chaotic evil assassin, then. I reckon they're in the minority and they would be the bad guy that your clan is trying to kill or that your assassins group is trying to kill. I think the lawful evil assassin would fit in quite nicely with the party because you're looking at, you know, are they just spies or James Bond's uh, an assassin. Guaranteed, he's an assassin character and he'll be lawful evil. Because he only kills evil people. He only kills people who are bad, according right. to James Bond. And, and, and that's one of the comments.
0: that's one of the arguments that um, the the, pro- the problem is money. Now, of course, you could argue James Bond gets paid for what he does, and he's killing people who are evil. Um, I think any of it goes back to you know, these are the rules as written, and you can manipulate them if you have the people in your group that you've played with. You couldn't do that on a one shot because someone's going to be the jerk. And stab everyone in the back. But if you had the right players, to your point, who's going to play the the character? Either has, uh, they, you know, if they announce the secret, then it's a little bit challenging. But they they could play like like you said, a cleric assassin or a fighter assassin, or just an assassin who's high enough level. And they they pawn themselves off as fighters, and then you know, they, what? Why why is this assassin who gets paid for money being in this party of adventurers or trying to do good? That's back to your thing of building a, a, a backstory that's why it's so important now if they come up with a backstory just so that they can screw with the rest of the players then I'm not going to allow that but if it's part of yeah. your campaign where and, and they're also going to have to be comfortable with the fact of when this gets revealed or if assuming it's one of those scenarios and and that's the big drama that they could be killed and they're okay with it well then that's cool because that could be a fun dramatic story uh, but I'm not going to have someone in there who is just going to be a troll job. Who's going to oh they're all sleeping? I'm going to you know slit all their throats.
2: Yeah, well, and the same with the thief. You know, right. I, I exactly. don't go yeah. with you're, the thief to so right. say right, I'm I'm going to steal all my party stuff. Right. And it's like, well, no, you don't do that. Don't. You know, you, there's a certain uh, there's a certain thing. I mean, if you're a character, I I would ask players to avoid certain alignments as much as possible, which I know is hard to do because you want to try and not curtail their, uh, you know, imagination and everything else that they do. Right. Yeah. But you want to sort of try and say, right, I want you to try and, and be a little bit more party friendly. You know, and, and I also go with the, um, I, I call, I say that alignment, we have, there's lots of discussions about alignment and about where alignment sits and which lawful is that and which good is that and so on. And alignment is in the eye of the DM. Right. And, Gygax says, you keep a chart, so it's all down to what the DM thinks. You're a lawful good guy, and you go out and you kill a whole bunch of cobalt children. He's going to move that point from there over to there, you know, and that's what is going to happen. Well, we and just say,
0: and we talk about that. You know, pr- after every session, Dan pulls out his chart and his performance review, right. and you give us a one point <laughs> three seven, and you move the chart over. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, I get your point. I you, mean, you've, and, been shi- you've been shifting toward yeah. neutral evil. Yeah. Are you uh, from your lawful evil? There was evil that three, that like a, like a
0: hurricane tracker, right? You've yeah. given the eleven o'clock update on that. Um, I know I, we should do that, but then again, it goes back to uh, you know I'm a fan of. Uh, Alignment is not something that prevents you. Whatever how you play equals your alignment. It shouldn't be, um, well, I'm chaotic evil. That, that's why I'm going to do this. No, play your character, and then I'll tell you how. And uh, you know, for me, that's why it always has to be related to some kind of deity because you know the deities kind of define the alignment as they pertain it. And and one thing that we ha- when I was young we didn't do is really follow Gygax's you know thing of. Every player should have a patron deity, regardless of whether they were a cleric or mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. something. They they needed to have some guidance. We this world has deities who are active in the multiverse, and you couldn't just say, "Well, I guess you could say I'm an uh, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in these deities, even though they've manifested themselves. I'm not going to follow." But they didn't.
2: Re- but atheists didn't really exist in that form back. Right. When, that's I what mean, I'm if saying. If you look at any medieval, if you look at every medieval culture and not just in terms of european or asian or african but if you look across the world right. that medieval culture everyone had they had some a, a right. pantheon of gods exactly unless you're
0: going to be almost like a you know paradise lost milton you know you're 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 not you're you're not <laughs> atheist i don't believe i just refuse to be part of the system you know I'm, I'm going to go on my own but the point of all that is that's what solves some of this you know not solved at least it provides a framework because it's hard you your, my lawful good is different than your lawful good it's only that the deities provided then that's hopefully the 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 hand that you can use as the dm to kind of move people back to it and part of the thing i like to do and i appreciate what you're saying about the backstory is okay here's the pantheon let's create you know let's create the pantheon for our campaign I, I may come up with the general themes but if you're a pirate let's say you have the god of the sea you'd write up Mm -hmm. what the God of the Sea is and tell me what it is. And and so then, let's say is chaotic neutral or lawful neutral. How does that manifest itself in your player so that um, you get the situation, like Conan with Krom, um, they're interchangeable if it's done right. And this way you can get the player invested as opposed to the DM who has yet another thing they have to do, which is Mm. write the Pantheon, figure out how it applies to the player, and then enforce the rules. If you know how the deity is... And then you start violating it. Well, it should be self-explanatory if you're trying to play the game. I think you know, the other part is we have some players who are very uh, invested in the game and then we have some players who just want to show up and roll dice. And they're both fine. Um, and and you, you're serving different needs. So um, let's talk about some of the advantages. We, there is one advantage that's not listed in the 30 things of text, which is uh, you did mention it uh, for fighter level. So when you uh, DM... And you have fighters, and they're second level. You give them the five percent uh, plus to hit because the normal yep. chart goes from one to two, three to four. But it says, hey, yep. if you want, if you're you a can, fighter, you get that. You plus. can
2: change it to up increments of five percent. And
0: I agree with that because that gives them an, a bonus that they should have. And that gives them
2: an edge. That, that's yeah. the edge that they need. And that, that's the bit that actually says, okay, if my guide doesn't, my player doesn't roll eighteen double zero strength. What, but they've got, you know, eight hit points. They've got a good solid hit point. Right. But they've got 14 strength. By third level, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they can't, if they don't have that, because they're going to have a plus two magical sword or a plus one magical sword, or they're going to, you already know what is in the campaign and what's coming up in terms of what they're going to get as equipment. So you already know that, okay, most of the, most of the, the monsters that you're facing are going to be armor class between four and seven. So... Once the once the fighter, you know that, that that toad encounter we had being the exception. Once you get to a certain level where the fighter has fifty five percent chance of hitting and doing and doing damage, then they're looking at weapon selection. And I think this is where the fighter is the best class because it starts with four weapon proficiency. Yeah, you're looking at versatility of weapon. I'm going to be a, I'm going to have a boat. I'm going to have a uh, uh, a long sword, or a broadsword for short things, I'm gonna have a long sword for damaging things, I'm gonna have a spear to stop charging things. So you know, and if you're a ranger, that's all the weapons you get. You only get four weapons. You know, like from a ranger and a paladin, you're limited in terms of what you're gonna keep in the closet, but the, the fighter, the fighter can rock up to battle with a cartload of, of weapons and just have like this is my bowling ball of death, you know, and just throw it in whatever they want to do. Bowling ball of death and D O D <laughs> and This is where the fighter really sings because like, okay, we against a bunch of trolls. Right, that's it. Boom, let's get this happening. Oh, well, we against a bunch of this. Right, then boom, let's let me, let me dish out the you know. Whereas the, the paladin, he's got or well, she's got four weapons. He's got you know, one suit of armor. The the fighter will have a, a suit of armor for for dress day, for field day, a suit of armor for dungeon crawling, a suit of armor for stealthily creeping through the the streets it'll have a suit of armor for you know a show so then
0: yeah and i think that's a great point if the campaign follows the rules of that meeting your dm is giving out lots of magic items like the modules do where there's a lot of magic items relative to the players and then the play and then the dm is also holding the other characters restrictions so david's talking about the paladin's can only have a handful of magic items. They have the same weapon proficiencies, but they can only, they can only have one suit of armor. I don't know what the list is. You, well, you, you, they you only can, get three. They only
2: get three weapon proficiencies at first level. For, at first level, uh, and ranger, ranger and paladin. Yeah, and,
0: and ranger can only their items have to be what they can only carry whatever they can put on their horse. They can't like mm-hmm. c- until they become a ranger lord. They can't be carrying you know cat of thousands. Yeah, they have the same.
2: They have the same restriction as a paladin. But as far as
0: magic items, in other words, they're not to your point like your traditional knight who has a you know almost a squire with their all their gear behind them that they could have whatever they want if you want to play it that way. Dan, what's
1: your uh, thoughts on well, that? Well, I was wondering, David, if you used the adjustments for it to hit armor class Oh types, the weapon because I weapon would think if you just maybe think of that that yeah. if a fighter has a lot of yeah. weapon proficiencies, yeah. I yeah. could see the whiter the Indeed. fighter saying, "Oh, I'm going to use this weapon because I know it's going to get a lot of adjustments." Yeah.
2: Yeah, I did, which put a lot more work on me as a DM because the, obviously in the player's handbook, oh, sorry, in the monster manual, they don't have any natural armor class of anything. So you, an orc has an armor class of six. It's like, what armor is that? So I just sort of run with either, well, their armor class is going to always be six. And I was like, okay, so if they have an armor class of six, I might say they've got studded leather armor and then that plus one is just their natural Toughness for fighting, you know, and so we'll just—I'll just use the studded leather, or I'll use chainmail if I want to give it a little bit. But it's like a bad, like a, a you know, better quality, worse quality. Yeah, I think ring mail, is ringmail so six.
0: Is ringmail? Um,
2: I think so. I think off the top of my head, it's um, ringmail might be six.
0: Yeah, so you could either do ring ringmail or, or badly no. damaged chainmail. We've done that yeah, before, yeah,
2: right. and I just think that that also adds to the description and also adds to mixing it up a little bit. We we're talking about before how you want to. Make them a little bit more, um, you know, you, different, so that they're not always the same. And everyone knows, because everyone knows them all. I'm a class six, it's lawful evil. They've got one hit dice. They hit on a nineteen. Yep. La, 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 la. Everyone knows all. So you want to give them just that little bit of extra spice sometimes. S-
0: scale mail is six. So, ring and studded so are six. This,
2: this, this, this is this is everybody rushing for their books right That's now, right. Just That's to make sure exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ring, ring mail and studded
0: are the same, at least in the player's handbook. Scale mail is six. So, yeah, ring,
2: ring mail and shield is, um, yeah, the scale mail.
0: But your point is, yeah, so this way, for particularly, that's a very, uh, to Dan's point, that's a big advantage for fighters because they can, they have more weapons, so that, and mm-hmm. they can metagame and say, oh, I know that my two handed sword is really good against these guys,
2: and, but that only takes advantage. Well, you're going to get, but you've also got that knowing that I'm going to be coming in and using weapon adjustments, yeah. then I'm also going to be using speed factor. I'm also going to be using weapon length. Right. So you know that on that one in six chance that we're an equal number of right. uh for a tie, that two-handed sword isn't the best. Right. And you're looking at a what a six foot swing. So you're only gonna have one, maybe two guys in the front row. You know, like you know, you you've got that sort of stuff that has to be in play. And I think that the fighter can really be brought to its front as long as you do use these rules. Yeah. Because it it forces the fighter to say right. This is how we're going to have to tackle this thing, you know. And you know, and that's what the fighter does. The fighter isn't just meant to be the. I mean, we love it to be the muscle and bone, and what's the what's the World of Warcraft thing where they call it the brick, the tank, you know, the, tank, the, those, tank. Uh, the tank, yes, yeah, the tank, yeah, whatever, yeah. Yep. They've got all of those names that right, you have to have one.
0: Yeah.
2: So my son, <laughs> yeah. my son
0: is just playing uh, World of Warcraft Classic, and he's playing the the tank at this yeah. point. The
2: warrior, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, where everyone's got that, then they've got their buff, and they've got to have you have to have the X ex- to make it work. And I think that in first edition AD&D, the fighter is that spot where right. it can be whatever you want it to be. And I think as long as as you give the players a little bit of a an edge, just that spark to say, "Well, what are you going to do with your fighter?" You know, watch a you know watch a few movies and so on. And and so I think that you know, there's a couple of other things that where the fighter really shines. I mean, not just the fighter. The fighter, ranger, paladin, but, you know, obviously we're talking fighter, but a lot of the rules yeah. move across with the, the ranger and the paladin as well, you know, like the uh, multiple attacks. And you have to really know how multiple attacks work as a DM. If you're going to say, right, I'm, I want these people in my game, which everybody wants fighters, right. rangers, and paladin, you need to know how multiple attacks work because it's not very it, – this is where – um, and and I sort of I've written it down where it says, well, this is the reason that you have halfling fighter thieves. you once you asked the question I think last week or maybe the week before where um uh, James already said, um, why did would you even be a fighter thief if you're a halfling? I think you asked that question probably, and you do it because at fifth level it means against kobolds and goblins you get five attacks you,
0: you know you just boy well, we you're, you're seg- back bring that up you're segueing into our next point, which is. Uh, that's another advantage that, uh, and something as a DM, I think we should take more advantage of, which is, you know, if you've got players and if you're not running pre-gen modules, you should give them a chance to shine. And this is where Fighter,
1: um, so for those who are not alluding to it, where is that and can I you think read it's, it? it's page 25, the note at the it's bottom. At the end, it's,
2: after the Ranger, it's after the Ranger section. Yep. Yeah, in <laughs> the,
1: the player's Yeah, which is why I think many of us, I certainly back in the day, I right. don't remember this, knowing about this at all. It says, uh, so note, this excludes melee combat with monsters of less than one hit die and non-exceptional humans and semi-humans, i.e. all creatures with less than one eight-sided hit die. All of these creatures entitle a fighter to attack once for each of his or her experience levels. So that would be, obviously, would be including the paladin, because it's after, the, well, it's after right. the ranger section. Right. And yeah. the paladin, So it, it's at a, the very fighters. end. So it'd be all fighters in the yeah. sub, right. So, yes, yeah, so if it's a kobold. So what are some classic less than one hit Goblins. dots? Goblins. Goblins, kobolds. Goblins, kobolds. Men-at-arms. Um, men-at-arms. Yep, yeah, some men-at-arms.
2: Yeah. A lot of the zero-level. And this is why I call it the, the attack as many times per level rule. You know, and I try and refer to it as much as I can in everything that I write and everything I put together, because it's one. As you exactly said, it's one of those rules where people go, "Man, I've, I didn't even—I've never seen that before," or "I don't see that—I'll forget about that." But if you're a gnome or a halfling fighter, you're going to be a fighter thief because it adds additional weapons to your thief ability. Plus, for the first four or five levels, you get uh, you know half d10 as a buff, but that. Five attacks every round against your racial hatred and against the thing that you hate the most, which are your goblins and kobolds. You get five attacks every round.
1: Well, the only thing you got Why wrong. Why wouldn't you pick that? Right. The only thing you got wrong there was, no, no, I'm not a fighter. I'm a fighter illusionist, no. Yes. I'm not a fighter <laughs> thief. fighter That's illusionist. Right. But... A yeah, fighter illusionist, yes. What's your gnome? Puyue, Yui, Louie, what's his name? Uh, Winkly Pew Winkly, Winkly Pew what's Winkly Pew he's a, well, he he a fighter illusionist okay.
0: and the captain of the sea Ghosts, excuse me <laughs> Captain Saltmarsh.
1: A, salt a seafaring right? gnome. That's right. I have a sea. Oh. oh, that's right. The sea goes. See, that's the boat from Saltmarsh. That's salt the boat.
2: March. Yes, You've got we, the boat. Yeah, well, I, the sea, so you, you, you raided the Saltmarsh. Yes, we raided
0: Saltmarsh and the rest of the party. I love that series.
2: I love that series. That's my favorite. The U1 to 3. Yep. Is it U1 to 3 yep. you're doing? Or you uh, doing the third version?
0: uh We're doing U1. Uh, uh, yeah. We're doing. Um, John DM John, you're on U2 you you? huh? you
1: now, aren't you? I believe so. I, I danger, wasn't there Dun- in the last session. Danger at Dunwater.
0: Uh, I wasn't there. <laughs> and apparently, we shortcutted something. I'm not quite sure exactly what happened because I was I wasn't available. We I had uh, that's when the my sons were from uh, came up by, but all the rest of the party wanted the magic items they found. I'm like, I don't want any magic items. I'll just take the boat. Mm. How do you know so, how to? Are you not a seafaring gnome? So I went. I what, what did I do? I went to the to salt marsh, and I
1: recruited a crew. Oh, I see. So you're sitting back.
2: I subcontracted yeah, you did the AD&D thing. I subcontracted you did the ad thing where you right. said, I'll, "I'll pay for hiring." That's right. I subcontracted to be a sailor. That's
1: right. I subcontracted <laughs> out. Oh, I see a mutiny coming.
0: Well I see a prismat- I see a color spray coming then, so that's fine. <laughs> they, they've seen me killed before. It's uh you know it's but yes, I'm Captain Winkley. Are maybe. you retired? Are you just like sailing? No, well, I no, I, I we, we I go on adventures i and of course, I charge them rent, I charge the, the party passage to use the boat. you know it's a, this ship ain't cheap.
1: It's like your own one
2: castle. Of my, one of my um one of my parties that did, uh, that did that adventure they did the same. they they took um the sea Ghost. And they ended up going raiding up and down, exactly. almost being buccaneers, privateers across the, you know, the the sort of the princes. Let's see the prince they, they were the, the, the villains that they were actually trying to have be, behind <laughs> to stop. Yeah. They just actually know,
1: to took stop. over for them. Who
0: is who is the real enemy? I've always said <laughs> the just... party is the real evil in anything. Uh, well, I I don't know. You know, with uh, uh, Nico's schedule in mind, you know, part of the reason I joined John's game was to get it going. So I'm kind of. I'm going to continue to play, but if he keeps getting more and more players, which he has been, then I can make my guy an NPC. And you can just can sail be, off. That's right. Well, I could be the captain of the sea ghost. Right. And then he could introduce me when I need to. Because at some point, he becomes, what, fifth-level fighter illusionist, and that's pretty much, he's pretty tapped out. At no, what
2: would well, be- He's off like season seven. Yeah, something like that. It's not, <laughs> no, not
0: I don't have much to go.
1: I, it'd be better if you're an evil cleric and you man it with, like, skeletons and all that, don't you think? You know, like the- uh... I guess you need to run that in your basic game. That'd be perfect. Right. That'd be good. Um, so that's the
0: that is one of the advantages. I think DMs really should uh, play into that because there is something heroic about you know as we did with the combat here. It can be very anti. The, the rules are set up to miss and not hit, whereas later editions. They made to your point, to David's point, they made it a lot easier. That basically you have a lot more hit points and it's easier to hit. So you get a lot mm. more fighting and hitting. And, and here it's well, the, the, less. The,
2: the representation of attacks in the, in the later versions, even from second edition, you are one attack, one dice roll. Right. You know, I mean, like they were, the, they really went away from Gygax's theory of one minute of this phantom combat, right. which has swirling melee. Right. You where know, he we're refers to the swirling yeah, melee. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and you've got, um, when you've got your broadsword, you've got four feet radius. So you're actually dancing within four feet around yeah. your little spot yeah. where you're engaging with your opponent who has a three foot radius and you're sort of moving around. And that's another sort of one of those sorts of things where whatever you bring to the table as a DM, that's what everyone's going to play. And so sometimes you just forget, you're, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's, you know, that's, oh. that's a great but, point. But the moment that the players realize that, you know, this weapon gets them a plus one to hit an orc, they're not going to forget that. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to forget that they get plus one. And there's something, there's something
0: really cool when you, uh, if if you put it in the game where you got your fighters, their third level or something, and they get, a you know, they see 15 kobolds, which before a first level party, 15 kobolds could be the end of them. And they get this chance to kind of, you know, wade through them and cut them down in in big... uh, I remember, you know, a lot of my game playing is really uh, influenced by the gold box games of the SSI games that came out later. Uh, And it was just... We would fight kobolds, my computer character, and they would do this, you know, basic, they call it almost like a, sw- it was, I think they call it a swing move, where literally you just kind of swung around and you, you know, <laughs> decapitated a bunch of, and that just was, oh, that's amazing. So this, that's a chance for the DM to really do that. Now, one of the big disadvantages, at least initially, like, uh, is, their, is their saving throws. And this is why we have the idea of the party, because their saving throws versus spells are some of the worst Uh, of any of the party members
2: and so it does get better but yeah i mean and this is where the the xp bottle that we were talking about before yeah where you've got like you know the xp where most of them have that in and then they come out and the fighters mostly that when it comes to the saving throws the the fighter saving throw changes at level three then it changes at level five or something like it's only a couple of levels and it drops Until, if you look at the middling levels of around levels um, five to eight, the saving throws they're they're okay. You know, like they're not amazing, but then you know they're back in line with the rest of the party.
0: Yeah, at equal level, particularly for spell, which is the one that tends to get them in trouble because unfortunately mm-hmm. you can be a ninth level fighter with whatever 100 hit points or whatever you have great constitution you make one failing fail against a whole person and now you're you're nobody you're stuck and you're basically out of the game mm-hmm. and, yeah, about and someone to... else's
2: heat metal and so the right. other person's doing a heat metal on you and yeah. you're just sitting there like a turtle <laughs> the sun you know just like uh,
0: well that's genie's favorite move apparently you know, yeah the friendly genie forest you know Peaceful, oh. loving melt. Oh,
2: hello. That's right.
0: Oh, nice to see you. Now I'm gonna make you fry bubble <laughs> in your own armor. So I, I, I think that's the idea of the party really takes it, you know, and we've come up with the classic fighters in the front, clerics helping, healing, and, and, and the thief and the magic user. The the magic user is controlling the, the battlefield because and one of the things is to prevent their fighters from uh, being held or charmed. Or anything else by mm. by doing this first so that you know you're, you're basically trying to take their defenses down so you know there's nothing more sad than a fifth level magic user who could cast fireball as soon as a fighter is on them they're they're pretty much going to be done unless they have yeah. some kind of wand or something they can cast they can't well, cast
2: at the moment if you're able to um either do um N1 as a module, yeah. or you manage to find it somewhere else, that minor globe of invulnerability is a key point for magic users yeah. to have by the time they get to about fifth or sixth level. If you can find that and research that, then you just go, pop, put that up, the whole party is just protected from yeah. you know, fireballs and less. They, they and all just they all just
0: them. start hanging. All of a sudden, you know, no one wants to be near the magic user until they get minor globe, and then they're all just like, hey, buddy, <laughs> they're all really close to them. <laughs> Hanging out by them, you're because you know anything less than spells third, third, level. third level or less are uh, they're immune to it. So, um, what else have we got to say about fighters? I
1: think we're uh, we're, we're pretty good on the fighter side. We uh, haven't missed any obvious things like turning with the cleric, which no, we, we didn't miss turning like with the cleric. So I'm, I'm sure Ron. Missing was the only thing really
2: that out. the only thing that you might want to sort of I suppose think about is that the the Gygaxian way of Um, multiple attacks is probably always worth mentioning just because a normal person would only get one most monsters only have one except for the occasional claw claw bite or claw claw horn as we you know like the gargoyle or whatever and but when you get five to thirteen no you talk about the the fifth level fighter that's suddenly against fifteen or Cobolds, um, well, imagine a 15th level fighter that's being assailed by an army of zero levels. He's attacking, or she's attacking 15 times. <laughs> right, just
0: wading through them. <laughs> you know? so, in, so at seventh level, uh, assuming you don't use the book that shall not be named, uh, mm-hmm. the fighter is able to attack three per two, three attacks per two round, which uh, yeah. traditionally means... You get your first attack in the first round, and then you get two attacks in the second round. So it's e- it's odd even. Um, now, there is some variance to that. So if, if, for instance, you have a dagger, now you could dual wield the dagger or hand axe if you're using the traditional uh, mm-hmm. definition. So in that case, so let's say you're a seventh level. That
2: adds one, actual, that adds one attack right. you, to each round. You
0: could do one attack per round. That's one way. I've ruled it if I'm being nice, well, if you're proficient three per two, and you have the same weapon that's three per two, you could then argue you could take three attacks per round. You could
2: do it... The- no, it only ever adds one attack.
0: See, David's too much of a rules. He's a rules lawyer. I'm would. i like, I'm always well, nice. Well, it makes most... Yeah, no, because you're not going to have six
2: attacks in... You, get, you know, like, well, you you're not going to go th- no, three attacks in you get,
0: two. You get three attacks per round, then, as <laughs> opposed round. to...
2: You, it's, well, in the,
0: it's really only adding <laughs> one more attack. You get two, and then you get three, because you still get two on the first one. So you're really only adding one more attack.
2: I'm, I'm. I bend. I've I bend blistering. as much. I, huh? I bend as much before.
0: Okay. So. Oh,
1: I, oh no! please Stop!
0: This is. This is important. This is. Uh, you're. 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 I'm starting a
1: Holmes Edition podcast. Your player
0: was going to ask for this, which is, hey, wait a minute. That's I'm seven. They, that's
2: why I kill them. That's right. They get third, that's
1: why I did the <laughs> TPK on
2: you guys. I'm like <laughs> that. Oh my god. Then, <laughs> yes. the, head mess, the, head mess, the head mess gets worse. The head mess gets oh. completely worse you got three attacks in two rounds and you dual wield then you get now um five attacks in two rounds if the magic user has cast haste upon you you now have seven attacks okay, wait, in two wait, wait, rounds. okay
1: hold on you gotta slow down here <laughs> okay so all right fine i'll enter this mess yes. i was thinking about something else so they're very nice by the way this is my game right now because my characters oh, are what, right,
0: nico they're what seventh through ninth level so they have oh Three per two or double, and then Nico
1: cast Haste on them because he's the ninth level magic he user. He
2: adds one extra. He all adds right. one extra all attack right. every
1: round. All right, let's go to. The, all right, I have three per two. Right, but now I'm dual wielding.
2: Right so, so how it has one it has one in my camp in my campaign you're going to get one extra attack in his campaign you get well
0: well <laughs> if, if, if you allow that there's three per two on each because it says your attack routine is three per two if you're proficient in the weapon so can I get three per two on both well that's that's, that's the, the point. Debate, that's right? the debate if you're so if you're proficient in the dagger right you're proficient in both daggers right the in the dungeon masters guide it says if you do a wield you get an additional attack that's what it says well the assumption the assumption there is well because you normally only get one one but if you get three per two why wouldn't you get three per two i'm sure someone in dragon's foot has spent 300 dissertations but
1: your your argument usually is if it just says you get x and it doesn't say anything else you go with x
0: well but it says you're in the uh when you go to three per two your attack routine becomes three per two if you're proficient in that weapon
1: yeah, I understand.
0: So the difference
1: is one attack
0: every two rounds because one you get two attacks and you get three, right? We do agree that in the second round you would get three attacks. You get two with your primary and one with the secondary.
2: Is that right. So you, on a three per two you get one attack on your first right. and then two attacks on your second right. one. But if, you're, if, you're, so if you've got dual wielding then it's two attacks and then three attacks. Right. Yes, so you're, really, you're
0: talking about one additional attack in the primary. That's mm-hmm. the difference in the ruling. Now if you haste, now in the player's handbook, it says, if you read the player's handbook, it says you attack twice the amount. What, what David's talking about is you add an additional attack for haste. So again, it goes back to which, which book and which ruling you're going to use. Well, the DM's
2: guide sort of clarifies it and says, you know that it doesn't double, but it only adds one attack.
0: But these are huge these are huge differences, it says double the, so that's what it's saying. It, in the player's handbook, it says double their normal movement and attack rates. If you go to the player's, if rate, you go to the DM's. Attack, guide, rate,
1: Got attack rate. Right, attack rate. Right.
0: Right. So if your attack rate is three per two, right. for that, it's doubling it. If you go right. to the DM's guide and you go to haste. Let's and rate it would make there. sense to yeah. me because you're moving twice. Yeah, see, I don't see anything in haste. So, Dave, you have to do some homework for me to show me where where that is. Because I remember seeing it, I just don't know where it is. Uh, I tend to let people do that because fighters suck at seventh level mm-hmm.
1: com-
0: <laughs> com- compared to what a, ma- a magic user can. Sh- you know, there's ten orcs. Even if you get yeah. three per two attacks, ten orcs versus a seventh level fighter, he's going to win, but it's going to take a long time. A magic user casts mm. a seventh-level fireball, and he's. Yeah. Thanks for playing. I'm done. So I give a little bit of a latitude, but I'm sure uh, David, you'll 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 quote out. because I remember seeing something like that. But I just kind of yeah. Remember.
2: I'm just trying to remember. Where, trying to remember exactly because he's it's a guy statement. It's actually a thing where he says to those trick. I'm trying to remember exactly whereabouts it is. I'm trying to, I'm just looking through that. Well, we don't need to look at that. I'm
0: I'm 99% positive. You're right. I, I, I just, what I say is, again, I'm trying to give fighters more things because in general, if you don't change their experience points, And the other thing I also do is I just allow them to have specialization and and from the book that shall not be named. So because,
2: but that does change. I I get that, yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, there's a degree of, yeah, I understand that. The the problem is
0: you change the game a little bit. The orc, which was, Mm. would take normally one, you you know, orc could survive one hit. If you have a specialized fighter, he's probably not going to survive that hit anymore. So now the problem you have to deal with is you have more orcs, if you're not careful, if the fighter goes down, it's what would have been a normal fight now is a party wipe because
2: they, yeah, there's too that's many. That's the guys. TPK. Yeah,
0: yeah. So those are the. So this is kind of I don't call it advanced DMing, but these are some of the things when you tweak the game uh, for your style, uh, you have to be cognizant of it. If your players, oh, I want to fight and bash through people. Okay, well now if it doesn't work out for you, you're overwhelmed and you could die horribly. Mm. I'm sorry, Dan. You look—you look like
1: you're. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: I'm turning, turning. um. We haven't got got to the the crazy part about the multiple attacks per round. So when you're at the point where you've got, um, let's say that you're a a ninth level dwarven fighter, and you're up against um, a bunch of city militia, which are all zero level. So the 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 dwarf attacks them nine times every round. Right the lord i'm a lord but but the the way that it's calculated you have attacks before the initiative round and after the initiative round right. you have to get your head mess around what is considered the initiative round you know it's, uh, it's like the the second attack that happens at the end so you've got like right. the the little bit of initiative where they talk about the steps a through e or a through h whatever it is you know where you have got the parlay you've got the move you've got this casting spells And all of that, that's all part of the initiative-led section. And then you've got – when you're doing your multiple attacks, you're attacking before that, during that, and after that. That's right. So that's the way I – You're not moving. You're you're just attacking. So so if you're not in space – Yeah.
0: So what I would – so the scenario that he's talking about, which I agree if I understand him, you have nine city guards – and you're not pummeling them, right? You're not using uh, uh, <laughs> weaponless combat, which is another story. They have nine city guards. I they must be small city guards because a dwarf is technically, you know, medium. So you got, let's say he has nine halfling town guard <laughs> beating up this uh, ninth level dwarf. So there's nine of them or there's eight of them around it. What he's saying is he, he gets nine attacks per round against those creatures. You get, you, you take the nine and you basically divide it by three. You get three in the beginning. Then the initiative roll determines if those three become before after. If you and then you get three at the end. You don't get all nine in the beginning. It's mean,
1: not four one four.
2: Well, you don't just roll a bunch of you know dice all in the one hit. You just get before during and then. So but you can't move until the movement section. So if you need to engage with that group, then you lose whatever's beforehand. Sure. And then you can engage and then you get whatever's after yeah. that. So you could do four, one, four.
0: That's that's up to you as the DM. I think in the Attic rules, which we've used before, mm-hmm. they show you the multi-attack. They break it down. Um, but you know, if you have three attacks, you would do one before, one in the middle, and one after.
1: Can I change it? So can I declare that I'm going to use my nine attacks on nine different? You guys have, so in other words, I've got nine attacks. Yeah. So I have to declare I'm attacking halfling
2: number one. I, I, well you get nine attacks. Well the point is if you're surrounded I, I by zero level yeah. if you're surrounded by zero level, you get nine attacks. Yeah. You're not actually gonna be surrounded by nine guys, you're gonna be surrounded by five guys. There's just gonna yeah. be nine of however many of because you've still got space of where your model is or where your unit is and then you know how many mm-hmm. can get around you, yeah. you know, sort of thing. You know, you're still gonna be limited by that so you're only going to have no more than yeah whatever the, four whatever, the whatever the facing allows. But if I chop down one,
1: do you guys will you as the DM allow me to now redirect my yeah, next? yeah, okay. yeah. of course yeah of course right. that's uh, the whole
2: you've, you've seen it in the movies where they just go swish swish yeah. swish they just wave through them. That, yeah reflecting. I didn't just, I didn't know
1: reflected. it because I declared it had to be more like this yeah. this this <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah is it there's nothing left of halfling number and one in, and <laughs> in fact
0: tactically this is one of the things our my players I I really want them to do is they'll you know they'll they'll say i'm attacking this guy and they have four attacks or whatever two attacks mm-hmm. and they roll both at the same time well that they only need one attack to finish him off right. but they declare they're attacking both of them so they they wasted an attack right when they could have just said, okay, I'm going to attack once on this guy.
2: Oh, I defeated that's because him. They've got negative, that's because they've got negative five armor class.
0: Yeah, well, they're
2: they're two. And so they can just go, right, I'm maximizing all my damage onto this guy to make sure I remove that mm-hmm. threat yeah. because I've got less chance of being damaged by anybody else. At, <laughs> and, and I can just go, at, boom, boom. At what point in
1: time do they ha- the, the remaining halflings were on? Right? <laughs> Here, here's, fr- here's the frontage that David's talking about, yeah. the
0: different... It's on page uh, 69 of the DMG. It shows you how you're assuming, again, you're being surrounded by these halfling town guards who are offended by your presence as a dwarf. Uh, Cyber Heston says that if,
2: uh, if you're really like using the basic rules, you don't get to choose which enemy you attack in
0: melee. Ooh, interesting. Oh, wait. From the basic rules? You no, mean- I don't think basic. I think oh. maybe it's with Dungeon. I don't know where he. You- well, that would be interesting if you made them randomly pick the attack. I don't know how that, why you would do that uh, for, for a zero level, but that would make it interesting. I've always run it where you're the fighter. You get to decide – because, to David's point, because there's zero level, you get a number of attacks equal to your level, and you can position them any way you want. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's – as as long as you – declare how you're going to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to
1: keep attacking this guy till he dies. And I'm going to go to the next well, one. Well, isn't it like in the movies where one guy, atta- bad guy comes in and attacks right. and you kill him and then the next bad right, guy comes in. Right. Just like the Kung in. Fu movies, right? Where <laughs> but, the fighting, moment,
2: yeah. but the moment that the, um, the, the, city guard sergeant or commander comes along, who's a first level, right. all that nonsense stops and the dwarfs back to being three attacks every two rounds yeah. until he can remove the first level I'd see. because he's no longer a less than one hit dice.
0: Yeah. And see, that's interesting. That's, that's painful. That that the way David's ruling it. So he what he what, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So you've got like you said, you have ten city guards. One of them is the captain, or the sergeant, or the corporal of the watch. The, you're surrounded by the eight or nine uh, towns guys. You get all your attacks as soon as the corporal or someone who's a first level fighter walks in, gets into your combat. He's not allowing you to keep attacking the other ones. You you now go back to your normal uh, attack routine.
2: Mm. So, oh wait, me. which makes. Which is makes it more heroic because all of a sudden, as the fighter, you're picking out the strongest people, right? Because you want to eliminate that, so that way you can just chaff, you know, you can just cut the wheat down, sort of thing, you know. So and that's what you're doing. You've you change the ta- take out-
0: You change the tactics because uh, I don't, I don't do that, but I like that idea. It's also scary because uh, you know it's the whole thing of this action economy, which is even if they're crappy enemies, nine crappy enemies attack, or whatever, eight crappy enemies attacking you, the law of averages says eventually they're going to hit you, and a long sword wielded by a fifth level fighter does a similar damage as a long sword wielded by a, a, a zero level, I think it does one to eight, there's no
2: and, and, and realistically, city guard are going to have a broadsword because yeah, I, right. I keep telling you the broadsword right. is the utility weapon. Right. That is the thing. It does, that on average, resources.
0: more damage. That's right. It's going to do more yeah. damage in it. Absolutely. Uh, DMG, page 70, bottom of the page to the left.
2: Bottom Under 70.
0: Who attacks who? Okay. Page wow. 70. Let's look. I love it. This is why we have a community. Page 70. As with, it's generally not possible, oh, attacking mass, me- oh, this is about mass melee, okay. So you can use some, so what, uh, is this Cyber Heston? Yeah. This is our, um, uh, this is our Our liege from Sweden. I need to pull up his uh, official title, I forgot, forgot, I think he's a Chamberlain too. Half our people are Chamberlains, even though they didn't want it to be. <laughs> um, what he's saying, if this is a case simply, as with misfire, generally not possible to select specific opponent in mass melee. If this is the case, simply use some random number generation to find out which attacks are upon which opponents. Remembering that only a certain number of attacks can usually be made upon one opponent. If characters of similar intelligence are able to single out, then the concerned figures will remain locked in melee until one side is dead or opposite. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I could see that in a in a mass melee scenario, which is kind of like this. They're kind of flying
1: around and doing Well, Now that. the question is, what's mass melee? Is there a definition in the glossary? I'm heading there. I doubt it. <laughs> now only melee. Ah, Gygax is silent.
0: No, why no. do you do this to us? He says. you can
2: uh, I sort of always actually, took. I mean, this is another. DM, this is another sort of the DM line. If you've got two characters, or so, if you've got a, a range like two fighters against a bunch, that's why. When you've got one fighter who's just got a surrounded by, you know, then it's a little bit different. That's how I've sure. sort of run it you know, I mean, that's – but, again, it's one of those – this is the beauty of first edition AD&D where every DM gets to do whatever it is that they feel is the right thing for their people.
0: And I like the idea of – you know, how much chaos do you want in this combat? Well, you know, you literally got nine people. Is it like what Dan was saying, like the old uh, martial art movie where there's a circle of people surrounding the hero and one at a time they come in and fight? Or it's more of the mob where they're just jumping on you? Uh, I'm sorry, what did you have, uh, Nico? Cyber Heston says you can call me the master for sure. Oh, the master, yes, that's true. I forget. He's got a master of Sweden. Uh, is he still making his assault on Finland?
2: How's
1: that, how's that combat going? Is, is that in his title? His Master well, in there? I think Master is in there.
2: The Master is most august. Oh, Master. Piety, yes. Baron, he's, he's the contentious of baron
1: of Sweden. Yes, <laughs> He's contentious. That's right. He's coming out, of, coming out of Scandinavia. Does anyone use list combat? So, you know, looking at the definition of melee in the glossary, as one often does, it is to be distinguished from list combat, which is between two opponents which I believe has a different thing on... It's, I think, an initiative. So, there's something different about this, but it's never fleshed out. I think it was a holdover from OD&D that mm. kind of got left in there. Yeah, I... I You're not biting? Not no. interested? I had to listen to all that about the multiple tax and all those hypotheticals. of And I bring this up, and it's just like, cri- giant, giant crickets.
2: <laughs> crickets. Yeah, giant, giant crickets. It's
1: not, it's not as interesting. All right. that's So, what I don't know. I, I hear what... I understood the words, but... It's called list combat. There's something called list combat. If you look in the glossary, yeah, I don't know. Anything melee about it. is defined as combat with handheld weapons between two between more than two figures. Hmm. This is distinguished from list combat, and it, it's italicized. Which with, is
2: yeah, list combat, which is between two opponents, and missile combat, which is a, right. a distance and involves thrown or propelled weapons.
1: And there is hold on, there is somewhere. If I grab out my handy rule book like well, that uh, I once was putting together.
2: Well, if he's refer- if he's going back into in terms of the list combat, that's when that's more like a tourney. Yeah, I. Well, that's the way. That, I, that's that's the uh, that's the when you uh, so uh, you know you put your name on the list and then you would that's who is matching right. against who. Yeah. And it would be you know a tournament style. You know. Right. Interesting. But,
0: yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, no, we don't do that.
1: Yeah, because I think somewhere, somewhere there's a reference to I, I can't remember if it's initiative somewhere. Somewhere if it's list combat, something is different, but it's never told what what to do. So what I like about you know, why we talk about this it reminds
0: me of all these rules that I throw out all the time because I just don't have time for them because if I have nine or ten players and I'm doing armor class adjustment and multiple attacks and this, it's just you're talking. A,
2: I was never as a DM I'm, I'm never precious about um, certain stats so yeah. where if I say to the guys treat yeah. it like studded leather they've already got it on their character sheets that yeah. it's plus one minus one or whatever gotcha. with all their modifiers already. T- so all they need to know is what their modifier becomes and away they go you know I mean it's like, you know you're up against a dragon well that's like plate armor Yeah, you know, that's just like plate armor it doesn't matter what their armor class is Dragon scale is just like plain armor, yeah. And boom, well, away you go. Gotcha. You know, and that, that's why I think I realize I understand why people discard that and don't use those uh, little minutiae rules. And some, if you, it's the sort of game where if you used all the rules, it would be unplayable. You couldn't do it. Well, you, know, you have to pick and choose and cherry pick.
0: You couldn't do it if you're the DM and has to do it all. I think if you have players who are going to help you, you're you're empowering them to keep this information because they're going to help you. If you have players who are either inexperienced or they're just casual gamers, I still have players and I love them to death. Their AC is four. I rolled a 14. Did I hit? You're you're a seventh level fighter. You hit. They'll roll again. I rolled a 13. Did I hit? Yes, you hit. You're good to go. (laughs) And because they they want to make sure they're, they're... It's not because they're not incurious. It's just... They want to make sure they hit before they move on. Um, where I get other players, you know, they'll almost hide the dice and like, oh, I hit or <laughs> right. like whatever. So, if if you've got players that you're playing with that you're comfortable with and they're they're doing that, it's great. You know, we Dan and I run basically an open table where we'll get people just show up and they'll and they'll do their thing.
1: Oh, he's commanding something. Oh, he's a hellhound. I am
2: sorry, okay. sorry. I was. Hang on a second. Oh, he's summoning a he's summoning a creature. I am. just... My, no, my uh, my son is still up at midnight.
0: Ah. I'm just oh. ah. commanding him to go to
1: bed. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So you were, you were going to say Probably something? Probably because you're so loud. That's
2: right. It's like, <laughs> can you keep it Sorry. down? Shut. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to shake everyone. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. No, no, that
1: was good. We liked it. I don't
2: like know that. what
0: the authorities are called in Australia for for you know parental <laughs> abuse, but we'll uh, we we can put that on the chat. But That's good. We liked seeing the uh, random acts of parenting. I like it. See that, Nico? I'm going to do that to you. Command, be quiet. It doesn't work. It, it, I have no effect, David. My, my
2: thing is not as that, good. He's still sitting on the couch. hasn't done anything. 17-year-old, uh, not, not moving. Do you have, him, have you
1: introduced him to first edition AD&S? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He,
2: he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's run a game. He's run a couple of games. He's done a fifth-ed game and a first-ed game. He did the Cult of the Reptile God with his okay. mates. And it was like a TPK. That's what he said, <laughs>
0: <laughs> David. And when we first started corresponding, uh, mentioned that that his uh, they played first edition. Have they moved to fifth? Are they still playing? Or
2: uh, any? He, uh, he hasn't played much, but um, fifth edition is usually the the edition that's uh, the choice. Yeah, just because you know it's the one that everyone. It's a little bit easier. Right. And well, it's, uh, everyone should have their.
0: Yeah, everyone should have their edition. I think you know it's the game. Uh, is what matters. I, mean, I think it's nice that people want to play First Edition. It's just like the people who came 10 years before me, OD&D, that's what they played. Good
1: for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I don't... It's not It's not like I actually think First Edition is the bad. I just... I grew up playing right. it. And so that's, that's right. what I like. Yeah. So you had a comment. There is a line in the player's handbook that says, when important single combats occur, then dexterities and weapon factors will be used to determine the order and number of strikes in a round. There you go. But that's... And I... I believe single combat is referring to list combat, but it's never fleshed out, and so I don't know that anyone. I, I agree with David that I think what Gaius was probably talking about was kind of this classic one-on-one, kind of like where I had where Lane's character was right. fighting a the duel, clear, right? almost like a duel or a challenge. Yeah, yeah. But the not not really a melee where you just happen to be fighting one orc at the time. Right. But 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 Dexter it never tells you how to use dexterity as a weapons factor, so I guess it's up to you to.
2: I don't well, dexterity is only. I mean, from uh, I found it actually. I found it just the other day. <laughs> how many How many years have I been playing? I uh, found to find this really obscure rule in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that uh, um, well, that's why it, we it, have it you
0: here, thing. David. That's this what is, I got.
2: <laughs> if
1: it wasn't for you, we wouldn't know the homunculus amending We're and like, I got the seg- wow. this is a new segment, all right? We're doing this. Is a, we're introducing it it's from the land of obscurity, <laughs> all right? Obscure yeah, show. Yeah, first, the, it,
2: the Obscuratron. The Obscuratron is set to high on. This. All right, right. tell there's, us. A, there's, one, there's one line in there where it talks about that. Um, when you're firing a missile weapon or using a missile weapon your dexterity reaction adjustment is used on the initiative ah oh. So you can actually attack before uh, The that. rest of the party or the rest of the bad guys or whatever if it's because if it's single combat
1: if it's single combat, well, well no, single if it's a, no, I think if it's anything he's saying, if it's, right, it's
2: anything. Just any, it's just you're throwing or th- if you're throwing or firing a missile weapon, your reaction attacking adjustment, which is, you know, at 17 decks is plus two. If you roll a five, then you actually move yeah. on initiatives. You attack as if it's two better. Are you? Two I, initiative think, points.
1: I think you find that on DMG page 64, right. maybe.
2: <laughs> I went through bad. I
1: went through basically the books and I like trying to distill all the rules. Yeah, a character making a missile attack adds or subtracts his or her dexterity attacking yeah. adjustment to initiative roll. So, you know, because oftentimes players believe that missile weapons go first. Now, I don't know if that that's an OD&D and a Holmes basic, where that in, comes in, from. In, in the
2: list, like in, the, in where, where they go, so you've got the first thing you can do is um, parlay. The first thing you can do is right, talk to someone right. if you want. So use roll for initiative. You can choose to talk to someone. Right. And they get a response from talking back. So that that's their – they actually get to do something in your round, which is only talk. Okay. But then after that, you've got the the, the number of the different things that you can do. So if you look at the um, – I'm just going through the list. Where is it? It's here somewhere. Here is avoid engagement, which is your flee, slam door, right. use magic. That's your first step. So if you win initiative and you haven't actually engaged yet, the first thing you can do is run. Right. And this and – yeah. And then you've got the attempt to parlay. Then you can await an action by the other party if you choose. So you've got that choice of sort of doing reaction um, checks. Then you've got missiles, magical devices, spells, undead, and actions and all that sort of thing fall into um, D, category D of the uh, initiative things. And this is what when I was talking about before and I was saying the initiative-led Section that's this bit here, right? So this is between a and H is the initiative led section and then you've got if you've got multiple attacks They go before or they go after yeah, but but again in an initiative order So that's the same thing if you've got three if you've got throwing three daggers No, three darts if you're chucking three darts You're like the magic user throws three darts in it in you know because they got one weapon They choose darts and they can throw three so they get to do one before the initiative inside initiative and then one at the end of initiative
0: right and i think this is where john has done a really good job um he's really embraced that so we will get situations where if you get two arrows he's not allowing you to get two shots right at a time he's doing one before Hmm. initiative and one after initiative because
2: once everybody has moved into striking range or charge then you're firing into melee. You're not firing a missile, right. you're firing into melee. Right. You know? And so that, that initial, that first step where you've got the party all scattered around a room doing something and then the orcs come in, the person with the bow gets one shot, right. everyone else moves to engage, well, now you're firing into melee right. if you choose or not. So
0: and, and with my players, they normally do and shoot their own guy in the back. But, you yeah. know, that's, that's fun. And Go yeah, ahead, a
1: player's A player character's dexterity adjustment also applies to surprise, which yep. I think I often forget. Yep. Right. Right. So, because you can. Yeah. So the
2: surprise rounds. So if you've got if you, um, yeah, if you roll a one and I roll a six, then that's normally five rounds of surprise. Oh, we got
1: this controversy but going. But if
2: you've got three, but if you've got plus three on your um, dexterity adjustment somewhere, then that goes to two rounds of the two surprise rounds instead.
1: Do uh, we want to go there?
0: This this up
2: to you. We've
1: had this discussion. We, we've had this discussion, and I will tell you know so polyhedron. Oh yes, polyhedron. In fact, had it that way. The way right. it, so so I don't read the surprise rules that way, and I don't know if we want to head down that road. I, the way I read the With surprise two rules... two hours
0: and eleven minutes in, but who's
1: counting? <laughs> well, the Sweden wanted a whole discussion on, so we well, should have I, a separate. That's episode. what we're going to do.
0: We're going to we're going to parlay, right? We're that, talking fighters
1: here, people. That's right. We're, well, we're talking <laughs> surprise and and uh, all evidence of contrary. Well, just to, and we should probably maybe have a session. I right. can't believe I'm saying this on surprise. But and, the way, initiative, the right. I, and initiative. The way hand initiative, yeah. Maybe someone can fill in for me on that episode. Where I, where I read it is, is that it's not – it's only the difference in die roll if both parties are surprised.
2: Yes. No, if one party's surprised. I got both. Yes. My so reading. if one is – because in the example, it says that if you've got uh, – they roll a one or a two, they're surprised. And then if the other one rolls a five, so yeah, so the surprise difference is three – so Wait, where are you 61 re- – yeah, so page 61. Well, this... So, surprise dice difference. So, if, you got a, if you've rolled a five versus a two, then there's three segments lost. Yeah, so I... I uh, so the, the, the head mess comes when you've got someone yeah. who's surprised S- one in six. It says, so, da- wait, so it David, I have the that. same
0: opinion you did.
1: Yeah, the right thing.
0: And, and the way uh, Dan being a professor and other things has convinced me, you don't have to be convinced is that the sentence before it says, if both parties are surprised, then the effect is negated or reduced, colon, and then he looks at the table. So that's where he's saying that's only if... So his his argument is, which I've moved towards that because I was like you, if both parties are surprised, comma, then the effect, then the effect is, neg-
2: is negated and, and, and reduced, yeah. And,
0: and, and so, this only, so what he's saying is this only applies... If both parties are surprised. That's his argument.
1: And then otherwise you go to, you're surprised the number of your die roll. Uh, so if it's a, you roll a one, you're surprised one segment, a two, a two. I mean, it could that's get right. nasty if, if it was, some were surprised like one and four. Right. If you roll a four, you're surprised four segments. That, so right. that's the way I read it.
0: So, so nah. our,
1: our argument, well,
0: his, he's convinced me, and I'm always willing to be unconvinced, that if you have normal, char- normal monsters and characters who are normally surprised in a one or two, the yep. worst they could be surprised is two segments. If they're both surprised, then you follow the rule that shows there. Because unfortunately, then there's the other issue of this. The next chart on page sixty three is all jacked up, right? We've we've gone through that round and round again. One of the examples we didn't understand. One
1: is switched around. Yeah, one is one
0: we've yeah. Because well,
2: when you've got if you've got a like a ranger. The, the, the crazy thing oh, is when no. you've got a ranger, the, has yes. one in six.
0: That's right. They and then you've
2: it. got, yeah, so they've got a one in six. So they're reduced by one in six. They're not half, they're actually reduced by one in six. That's right. But the, the, that, the ranger is considered to be having an advantage during surprise. And so if you, as a ranger, roll a one, you're surprised, right? Yes. But if the other person rolls a two, then. They are still surprised, but you also gain that uh, that you, you're an advantage, so they are surprised for one segment.
1: Yes, I agree with that. And you can and and you cannot <laughs> act
2: <laughs> you get that. Because they are because the because the, the ranger, yes, the ranger is surprised in effect, but the ranger has an advantage on the surprise table. It's like if the the, uh, the surprise table said that this particular person had a one in eight, which is a twelve and a half percent versus the one in six, <laughs> this is when it gets messy. Right. You know, yes, you can both be surprised, but who's going to be surprised more would be the one who actually has the less advantage, like who's, who's at a disadvantage, if, that make, if you can imagine that. Yeah. It's a head mess. It is a serious head uh, mess. Well, the big thing
0: that – yeah, no, I don't, we, don't disagree. I think the big thing is, unlike initiative, where higher is better regardless – with surprise, depending on how likely you're surprised, the the if if you are surprised and your fault, the higher number yeah. if you're in that surprise thing, that's bad.
1: High generally. is good unless you're surprised. Right. Then, then high, high, is, high bad. is bad. That's right. So if you're surprised one to four.
2: Yeah, <laughs> unless you're surprising, unless you're surprising the person. Who right, do you have?
1: And, and this came up in our game recently. I think with Rob, because who do you have? role for surprise. So I think Rob's view, and I get that, was that. You roll to see if you surprise the other party. So it's like you're rolling mm. and you want to get a one or two for the other side. Yeah, we always rolled at this. You rolled your own surprise. But is yes. that the way- Well, well
2: the, example, the example that I always try and give is that you've got um, a party that are engaged in actions in a room, right? So they've come into a room and they're doing their thing. You know, you've got uh, someone ransacking a bookshelf. You've got someone trying to open up locks, and they're all they're all doing their thing. And you've got a ranger that's sitting in the corner with the bow ready for anything. Then orcs come into the room. They just stumble into it, right? Right. So it's, both parties roll for surprise because both parties could be caught flat-footed for any particular reason. The ranger could just be thinking, right. oh, my God, I can't believe really i look at this. You know, oh, shit, you know, there's stuff there. Or, you know, there's uh, so many reasons why there could be a flat-footedness from either side right. that you're actually rolling – because the elf – in advance of a party, not in metal armor, adds two in six to the opponent's surprise role. But being surprised.
1: Yeah. See, look, I, even, I had a little footnote, but obviously David doesn't think it's wrong. I had a footnote that said polyhedron number three got this wrong, indicating that the party surprise has its role deducted for the non-surprise party determined surprise segments. But so, more confusion. Um, I thought this was interesting. This has nothing to do with anything, really. What kind of surprise? It's yeah, surprise. Polyhedron number 16. Note that boots of elvenkind are—that should be R—obviously are only effective when worn without armor. Interesting. So polyhedron, which was RPGA's and touted as being official,
2: says, "Yeah, you boots of velvet." That's going to upset some people, right. isn't it? That, w- that upsets everybody. Everyone loves wearing the plate mail armor with uh, the boots of Elvenkine. <laughs> yeah, or what
1: about the thief that's got leather? <laughs> so leather armor, right? Le- leather armor <laughs> well, doesn't work. One like, of our
0: guy David, who plays uh, in our game, would be that. You need but, to tell him. No, I'm not. I'm not the DM. He's. I we're oh. against the DM. Why would I tell him that, John? But of course, <laughs> so now that John listens to the game, so John listens to that? this oh. in between flights. So I'm sure he's going to tell David this, and, and he'll come back to you. So I would. Is I'm, he taking I'm notes? I'm so
2: surprised because then he can come back and explain to us exactly what it is we just said. I'm so no, I, I think David. you
0: know what's interesting, <laughs> and this is all these rules. It's again, you go back to whatever page nine of the DMG. Besides, the players should not look into the DMG or they're killed instantly. But there's the other thing: is look, it's your game we try to run it as close. There's going to be scenarios and you ha- and that this is not, if it was so perfect, we wouldn't need DMs to adjudicate things. We need them to kind of, and, and what kind of game do you want to run versus uh, how many players, how invested they are. Um, I like the idea And when I've done the thing with Dan's characters. You know, the players have this great plan and they want to get automatic surprise. I agree with you. No, there should always be a role because, you know, as you're preparing, you you slip, and you—that's mm. what the surprise roll does.
2: In, in, in that instance, I would say that it's the other person who's the, the the party who are setting up the ambush. They don't have to roll for surprise because they already or, know combat's or, about to happen. But give, the party that, right. that they, the other ones, they they do because right. they've still got senses. They've yeah. still got smell and sight and touch and taste exactly. and everything else that will. It, you it, sh- know, it should and, be
0: automatic. That's the point. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: mean, uh, the the classic example is, um, have you guys seen the movie Heat?
0: Oh, yeah,
2: a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, Robert De Niro's character, Macaulay, he's standing on guard, watch, right? He just did a hiding in shadows thing and just completely blacks out and just sort of hides in there. One of the cops in a storage container nearby makes a dung sound as his piece of equipment hits the edge, and he's just like, Right, that's it. It's you know, boom. He just moves and straight away because that's surprise. You know, right. like he he's not taken by that, and he just goes right. That's it, boom. And then operation over, and everyone moves and scatters out and disappears. You know, I mean, and that's a classic thief move. You know, right. sort of the whole hearing noise, getting all that happening. Hi. But so, you know.
1: I like to think, and I know now we're moving to a surprise show, but, but right. surprise. But what I like, to, I, I like to think that even if you are being really careful, I mean, if you know there's something there, I get it. But just because you say we're on alert, we're quiet, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you could, one to you. Right, you could still be surprised because you never know what happens. Oh, and I want to note this too, because I thought this was interesting. right? So, during a surprise segment, the discharge of arrows, bolts, or hand-hurled weapons is permissible at three times the normal rate. Right. That's so, what that's I really forget- nice. That's what I keep forgetting. Yeah. Because uh, I always say it's, you get your full attack round, but it's actually triple, which is Triple. DMG page 62. Triple. <clears throat> triple and, the normal attack rate? Yeah, and Gar- Gary's clarifications on page 38 <laughs> said, So, if there are three segments of surprise, the weapon has a rate of fire of two per segment, then six attacks could indeed be made thus. Six attacks, well, that's... He said, that's... Good. So six attacks there? each segment, or six attacks total? He just said, so if there are that'd three be... segments of surprise, the weapon has a rate of fire of two per segment, then six attacks could end it... I don't know, does that mean six? Yeah, would, yeah I guess that would be six per segment, right? Well, yeah, because that's... Twelve? You're just... That would
0: just... Be, that'd be 18. You're literally <laughs> doing the legless thing. You're just... <laughs> that's great, I love it. Because the first thing says triple, which... Yes. I, okay, I, I, I got that. That makes... That makes perfect sense, triple. Um, Then that would be six attacks per segment. But the way he just explained it, six attacks for the three segments. So now I'm confused. There are three segments of surprise. That was not helpful, Gary.
1: No, that's his (laughs) clarification. That's clarification. Three (laughs) segments of surprise, and it has two per segment. Yeah, it sounds like that would be six or three. Yeah, that would be eight 18.
0: That's why he's smirking (laughs) at us. He's like... Tricky, (laughs) he's loving it. Yes, he's loving it.
2: It's hilarious.
0: All right, so um, I think is there anything more about fighters?
2: Because I want to be respectful. Back on back onto fighters, last bits on fighters. Um, uh, I suppose the only thing I can think of would be that, like I said, like I said earlier, if you're um, an elf, if you're a gnome, a, a half elf, a halfling, you're gonna be a multi class. You know, you want that fighter to be – you want the fighter hit points to be supporting either the magic user or the magic user thief or, you know, as a fighter magic user thief. Or you want that um, – you know, the, you want the weapons cabinet so that you can say, right, my um, halfling thief can now use a bow because, you know, they can't use bows as a thief. Whereas when you're a fighter thief, you can use a bow. And so that's the sort of thing that uh, – that's the only sort of thing I can think of is just that if you're the, – you're not going to say as a halfling, I'm going to be it pure straight fighter because you're gonna have a very short career
0: yeah mm-hmm. you're gonna be but, unless yeah. you're like the town guard or something sorry something, right. something weird like that Dan anything else or are we ready to wrap this up for I today? think we're ready to wrap it up okay good so um, let's uh let's talk about uh, suggest- suggestions. you know my suggestion is I'm gonna to- I'm going to p- pass it off to uh, David. What's your What's your suggestion? Do you have a suggestion for us this week?
2: I do. My suggestion is that it's about inspiration. Okay. I just think that if you're one of the things that we, I suppose, we're a bit older. Some of us, uh, you know, I don't know how many. What all the the listeners are like, I'm sure that they're all very similar in the way that we've all been raised, and we all get a bit older, and we all get a bit more jaded, and we all get a bit. Oh, it's this, and it's that, and the energy for doing something. I just think. I was thinking about it. I still haven't had a chance to have a proper game from what you know you were suggesting last time to me. But I was just thinking go watch The Adventures of Robin Hood. Watch it with the eyes of, you know, the the twelve year old kid that you you know, to, to, to be you know to, to be amazed by, you know, Daring Do, Swashbuckling, read Fafford and the Grey Mouser and, you know, the swords of deviltry, wizardry and all that sort of thing. Look for look for something just to, to, to bring in that spark, you know, and just say, right, okay, that gets that energy up and then that gets the enthusiasm up. And if you're lucky, it can carry you over to actually wanting to to view some of these, right, some of these classes just from a different point of view. You know, I mean, we've, we've all had fighters. In all of our careers, uh, there is as players and as DMs, we've had fighters, we've had clerics, and magic users, all that sort of thing, and you get very quickly – Cookie cutter this is it pop 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 just think about trying to um, broaden it out a bit and is there a better way of playing it is there a better way of, of doing it and the only way to do it is by playing it and the only way of doing that is to be inspired to do that yep. you know and I just think that that's my suggestion is a, and a, try and recapture some of that what we had as kids when we were first into this game and we were really diving into whether it was the movies or TV or, or something. You know, there's something that, that hooked us originally into this game that we wanted to try and do, and I think that that's, the, that's what we've got to try and strive for. Okay. As we're getting older, You uh, need to search for you. That's right.
1: That's great. <laughs> uh, uh, Dan, do you have a suggestion? Yeah, I'm going to recommend Central Casting Heroes of Legend by Janelle J. Quaise. Okay. It's, it's a, it came out in 1988, and it helps you create a backstory. For your character, so you know you randomly roll things about your family, about you know uh, you know different uh, attributes, and uh, so it helps you know how many siblings you have, things like that. So I, sometimes I think it's kind of fun to randomly roll things. Well, you know I love random. Yes. And so and, and then to work your backstory around things like that, I don't necessarily view that as taking away a lot of discretion from the players. I think uh, providing that for the players can. can, can, can compel well, you uh, to to yeah. to work with that be creative yeah, with that well, well
2: a good ba- a good backstory is 80 percent player 20 percent dm because the dm still has to create the, the environment around what the player wants to do the player wants to be the the smithy son that goes off and joins the militia to fight the horde of whatever gets into a battle and says you know screw this i'm going to go and be a mercenary or you're a liberal. Like, well that's a <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot that, you know, that, that can make the character want to move around and some of our favorite characters in history and in um, literature and in legend, they all, they come from everywhere. I mean... We all love Inigo Montoya. I'm yeah. sure that we've all seen yep. you know,
0: Princess, Princess Bride. Bride
2: exactly. you know, we've all named Dread Pirate Roberts. We all love oh, that. Oh, not Tony Montana. Yeah.
0: It's not Tony Montana. That's <laughs> a different what a what a Scarface Montoya. guy That's right. Scarface. Can you <laughs> We, we all you see my little to, friend? <laughs> we like <laughs> his backstory. I look up to him. Look fondly at <laughs> He's Tony He's got a great Montoya. backstory. That's humble guy. beginnings.
1: That's right. Rags to riches. <laughs> An immigrant. That's right. Immigrant's tale. It's wonderful. And a chainsaw. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's a real idea. The chainsaw was on him, I think, wasn't it? it? No, he He, was about he, to, he no, survived. Oh, he comes in to save.
2: Yeah, he survived. He, he, but he, he wasn't using. They he were made like a chainsaw save
1: versus is, that. Exactly. Right, yeah. He just sees the blood on the window. Right. He he uh, made a. They were listening he, yeah. to the music, right? Oh, his buddy was out there listening right. to the music, and he sees the, yeah. the blood. Is yeah. you see the blood? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He survived that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Anyway,
1: yes. yes. Right. So so my suggestion is
0: going to be, and I'm going to do a Dan here because Dan's always clat. So, David, why don't you remind folks of the work that you've done, um, kind of uh, reviewing the classic books? Tell us what you've done. Maybe give it an update on uh, what you've done with your works and how they can get to sure. That.
2: Yeah, well, on my website, yeah, I mean, or not yeah, on the um, on the, the um, on the, the web. I suppose it's, I don't know quite, it's website, but I've put up a list of uh, documentation for different races, uh, for different classes, and just the and, uh, deconstruction of the rules from not exactly a rules as written, but trying to do as, as rules as close, you know, just to try and uh, make them playable in some cases. I've, I've done my best to interpret them without putting my own personal bias, you know, without, this is how I play it. You don't play this you know, but trying to keep it to the letter of the rule as much as possible because you want to the rules as much as the player can handle because and the, what the DM can do, and that's what it comes down to. So I've actually just finished the the fighter was the last one that I've just done, oh, okay. which is the reason when you said that oh, fighters, <laughs> man, I'm all over that. i right. just finished the fighter. And that's actually the last one I did. I wanted to do that one last because it had 30 lines or 29 lines of of half column, and I really felt that you needed to do more, you know, because there's so much depth to what you can be as a fighter, and I kept that to last to make sure that I had as much um, ability to, to, to pour into it as I did. You know, the druids up, the paladins up, all those sorts of things. And I've tried to take them. Sometimes I've looked at it from uh, a different points of view. You know, so the paladin, obviously, everyone knows the paladin is, you know, just the holy warrior, but is that all that it entirely is? And why is it that it's only human and why not the others? Right. And same thing with the ranger. The question always comes up, why can't I be an elven ranger? Don't the elves frolic and, you know, sing and dance in the wood? Why can't they do that? But, you know, there are reasons why. But it's just a matter of whether or not, as a DM, you want to follow those sorts of things. You can do whatever you want as a DM. You want to say, yeah, I'm going to have Dwarven Rangers go and have a Dwarven Ranger.
0: No uh, no don't, don't bring that up.
2: <laughs> James, you, you've got Dwarven you? uh, Hold on. He ladies. knows. He uh, knows.
0: So, <laughs> someone, just, uh, someone just emailed me. Hey, I'd like to be a Dwarven Ranger. Thanks, David. Appreciate that. That's a, a group of Dwarven <laughs> no, Rangers. Not. No, you're right. I'm, I'm just Well, kidding. you
1: should, just, yeah, should have said no in the first place. <laughs>
2: Don't even start. But, but, you know, I mean, and, and it comes down to exactly like what we were talking about before where the, the ranger and the paladin are limited to what they can carry and what they can use and what they can, you know, yeah, okay, they've got an unlimited weapons and um, an armor closet. That's not a problem, but they're only going to carry X number of weapons on them, whereas an elf, you know, loves to collect magical tricks and loves to have this and is all, you know, they've, they've got too much self-interest to be the selfless paladin and to be the um, greater good style uh, ranger, whereas a half elf would because a half elf doesn't belong in either society. And so, so I, I tried to sort of put not so much um, you know justification or whatever for the rules. It's more of a tried to bring it back. And with some of the uh, the classes, um, I've mentioned it before, where you know the the magical questions that I've given to the you know, to, that I wrote in and I've got some responses back and all that sort of thing. And that's exactly what I've put in as well, some of those bits. So like in the ranger section, um, one of the questions that I asked and I got back information on was about the uh, tracking, you know, how how fast can they track when they're tracking and about tracking. And this is what I did, is it right? And then bang, I got back this whole chart of stuff, and which I've put into okay. the... Uh, into the section on the ranges so you know when something's an obvious track it's this and so well this is what makes an obvious track you know and boom and that that's sort of what the you know they came back from them and that's what I've put in there and so you know I mean i can't, kind of, I'm not too sure exactly who it was that was giving me these answers but some of these things are just the way that they are and so I've tried to expand on some of it and so anyway but sorry I'm rambling a little bit But the um, we know uh, nothing uh, about rambling. Yeah, we don't.
1: Rambling is Is it's prohibited (laughs) on this show. No, if you're not concise, (laughs) you're not allowed on.
2: So in terms of character classes, in terms of character classes, I've pretty much put everything up there. The monks up there now, and um, uh, and all I'm doing is I'm revisiting bits and pieces when I find a rule or when I find I didn't write something clear enough. Because unlike Gary Gygax, I'm alive. So I can rewrite what I've written right. if I think that I've not explained it correctly or if I've not, you know, inter- tried to put a if – I, if, I, if I put a bias in there that I didn't realise I had. And I've done, done that with, a, with one of them. I think it was The Assassin. I put too much of a bias in there and I didn't realise until I read afterwards. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't really do that. I'm, like, telling people how to play an assassin. So then I went back and touched it up to take out some of my, um, my own right. ideas on that. But I put a little suggestion on the back of every – of all of them as to what I think would be that monk. You know, like obviously, you know, um, Kane from Kung Fu is in the monk. You know, an Aragorn is a ranger and so on. And so you've got various ideas. And I've done the – with the fighter, I've uh, very um, dangerously placed um, El Cid as a fighter rather than a paladin mm-hmm. because – of his behavior right. when he decided he was going to raise an army against his own king because he kidnapped his children. Right. I thought that's more fighter, that's not really a paladin, right. you know, but you know, I could be wrong on that, but that's sort of one. Well, of those I'm sure I'm worlds. sure
0: someone's going and Dragon's Foot is going to respond to that right now. Someone has had that. The threat else, is so. starting. That's right. The threat is in fact the postings have been. Well, begun. Paladin is next, next week. It paladin. should be a paladin. Like
1: right. that, that's a good segue to <laughs> next week, That's right. next paladin, week will be a paladin. Right? um well
0: i will put a link in the show notes and on youtube so people can come look at uh really it's a labor of love that david is you know a lot of us have opinions and a lot of us have tried to simplify the game you know dan and and with my minor contributions have added some things we but really you've you've put a lot of effort into it and you know what you find is when you read other people's work you kind of you know, like everything. You can take it and say, oh, that's really cool. I can apply it. And sometimes you don't even think about it. So um, that's my yeah. suggestion. And, and,
2: and, you know, and I don't try and lay down the rules to say, look, I know more about this game than anyone else or that I'm doing it right and you're doing it wrong or you're doing it right or what, you know, this is very much a game where you can have three people who've been a DM for 15 years who've had successful parties and they do have incredibly different playing styles and they will be using the same three books, but it would be a different game, you know, and you just, and that's actually something that I love about this is just that you've got that level of complexity. I love it and I find it as a, it's a limitation for it because if we want it to live, we want this game, we want the first edition version of this game to survive, then we have to help as many people to get past that initial right. boundary of, of everyone else saying, oh it's so difficult. Oh, right. oh it was so bad. Oh, oh it's terrible. It was 1978. It was 1978. Cars nice. were 1970. It's just the sort of thing that you've got to sort of look at. And you know, because in fifth ed, you know, obviously you know everyone's got 20 stats and everyone you know, everyone seems to be you know fifth level before they're you know I mean, I don't know how the power levels actually sort of equate. Like I'm sure that someone's done a first-ed versus fifth-ed sure. chart and worked it out, but, you know, it just that first-ed where you you are the 15-year-old who's just been thrust into the world and he's a longsword, and you're going to die in 30 seconds if you don't have a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: know. And that, I think that's the spirit we still, you know, regardless of the mechanics <laughs> and how complex, um, it's that idea that the game generates... Your character not you know the story that you do before it's important to have a backstory but it, you know your most exciting thing shouldn't have happened before you start playing the gate the interaction with the party is what you do okay um so in respect of your time because it is now late there on the other side of the world somewhere near korea or wherever it is over there you right know, my geography gets very <laughs> fuzzy past florida so um uh, as a good segue we're trying to keep First Edition alive because we're having GrogCon uh, October 11th through the 13th here in the Orlando area so assuming we survive Dorian and we're not an underwater uh, wasteland you please come on down here uh, we'll be running First Edition games we'll be running Call of Cthulhu Paranoia all the games from the late 70s and 80s that our friends want to run we've had some good response if you want to run a game you have till September 15th submit that um i I have a couple people the tournament's actually filling out a little bit so i'm uh pretty excited uh there's also be fifth edition um uh miniatures like uh warhammer 40k Uh, there'll be tabletop games you know we expect hundreds of people there not for our specific thing but we're part of this big event um so if you're in the orlando area or near the orlando area and you have we would love to see you so um we're on youtube we're on twitter at Grog uh, Talk, we have our website, GrogCon. Uh, you can listen to us on our podcast, Google Play, iTunes. Please review, like, and subscribe. I know everyone asks, but that uh, I think we have a lot of fun here. You know, Because of this, we've met David, who's a dear friend of ours. Um, so it's a lot of fun to, to do this. Um, if you want to be a guest... You know, just email us at info at grogcon. We, we 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 have no standards. We have well, yeah. Basically, we have. No, you,
1: you have to have Skype You have to have
0: Skype. you have to have Skype. Nothing personal. There. That's right. He's still he's still here. The boss said, really. That's right. David's,
1: David's like I'm still here. I haven't yeah. hung up. Yeah. Oh, we'll I, was, take I, I I thought that he'd been disconnected.
2: That's right. Oops, that's so, awkward. It uh, that was that technology stuff. You just know, you're still figuring. <laughs> that wow.
1: Out.
0: As as our guest, you get to roll the d10 to see how well. Yeah. our our uh this episode was how, how good this episode is yes, so make it, it, is. make it count
2: now here's an important question that I want to ask everybody out there sorry but one last thing sure in terms it's of rolling cool. dice do you think that's a roll
1: oh that's horrible no that's not that's not a roll, not a roll. See, you if, gotta shake no, it yes that's no roll. that's a drop Just, that's, that's a drop. you drop that's, your that's, dice right that's that, it I, no, because that's people like they want to try to do one of these, right? Yeah. Oh, the metal dice are good for. That's why you get metal dice. Look at this. I need a six. It's just. Yeah, six. Yeah, That's not. Yeah. All
2: right. That's my that's my pro tip. You know, it's going to be like one. Yeah. Of, remember, no, like, no. Even this, even this, this, no. This I felt this. No, so this was at least a four. Whoa, nine. Nine. All right.
1: another nine. Wow. Awesome. This as we, good as last. But I think last week we've had a
2: lucky. We've had a
1: good streak, so that's why good. Don't we have more. To, we have more people viewing and listening for this. For this, good.
0: We have the important people. So, anything on the uh, chat? Anything interesting uh, before we sign out? Uh, Cyber Heston just wanted to say, hey, thanks for making my heraldry more
1: Swedish. By
0: the way, that's right. Yes, I, I refixed. If you go on the heraldry page, I almost made it, it well. I was planning for him to take Finland, so I, I uh, made. Yeah, his... you jump in the
1: gun a little. Right,
0: but we've I've now refixed it to have more of the colors of Sweden. Um, you know, I, I did initially it was just random colors, but then. I you know I probably should have put more of the Australian colors in for for
2: David's thing. So hey. you would never known. It's red wine blue. That's Yeah, it's all. Yeah, <laughs> after, after with, a while you run out good. of colors
1: for that. <laughs> hey. and, uh, now I have one final question. Okay. is your son asleep yet, or is he still up? No, I
2: think he just crawled a bit. Okay, good. Yeah, all right. Twenty to one in the.
1: It is quarter to one there. So we've got you up
0: late. So David, thank you so much. We're going to have to get. I think we're going to have to have a special year-end event where we have some of our regulars. Maybe we can do a Skype game. I think uh, that'd be great. uh, Where uh, you could do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be happy to run it. All right. We'll if have. I'm
2: running it, you, it's you know it's one, level two. You could two. just go. You could just do a completely lazy episode where it's just you, and then you've got four other Sky people all having a conversation. Right. and You guys can sit back and have. Just oh a yeah, like he
1: like you the, sit the, there
2: having your breakfast, like,
1: like, the, sea huh? like no, the sea <laughs> ghost, huh? So like you know, the sea ghost. Just set
0: it up and let them let them go. <laughs> we need hirelings. We do special. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been on in three months. We just we just <laughs> yeah. tur- turn it on and put whoever shows up first person to show up. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, we totally outsource this. So yeah, well, uh, well. Thank Thank you again, David. We'll, we'll, I think we do need to have a year-end because sometime before Christmas will be our basically year celebration. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be nice if we did an uh, event for... Maybe we can get Vic on, we we'll get David on. I know uh, Martin is maybe interested. I know Max from uh, Quebec is uh, wants to get on soon. So maybe we can get five or six, you know, based on the technology challenges. have a Have a group of five or six internationally find the time. That sort of works. Do a two-hour thing so that poor David doesn't have to, you know, three in the morning. He's trying to keep keep awake here. He
1: just do a cardboard cutout of him sitting there. <laughs> After a while, yeah,
0: he doesn't move anymore. It's like, he's got awful quiet. He went to bed. So, uh, David, thank you again. For, just, just,
2: phrase the, just phrase the camera image. Yes. That's right. That's yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Technical difficulties
0: from Australia. Yeah, I, I, w- I think we'll need to work up to that because I'm a little concerned, you know, having three or four. Skyping international ones, how well they work. Maybe you better work make sure me. the
1: production Goblin is available. Well, he well he'd be playing and and running it too, which would be helping. So, so yeah, you're talking about a game. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, well, I think we great. do a
0: one shot with our
1: favorite. You have people. to incorporate the monsters that we've talked about. Right, like that. that's all there would be in there. <laughs> A lot of giant, toons. giant toads and orcs, <laughs> toads and, orcs.
0: <laughs> and gorgons. No,
1: and that little. What was <laughs> that little?
0: Was not oh. it Kirin? No, Shadoos. Food, food, food creatures. They were the food, creatures. creatures. Yeah, yeah, the food dogs pushing, uh, pushing <laughs>
1: men's spells. That's
0: like push Gorgons, well, that, that, every, gorgons. the yeah, gorgons. Tale. Yeah. So you already know you'll be an illusionist with uh, change. What was that? Uh, altars. What was the one that we did that illusionist spell? Which one was it? We'll have to look. Did through we have it. I can't Yeah. I'll have to look through it, but. Uh, David will be a magic user with push and mending. That's what spell. be. That's the only spells you have.
1: Only spells. You have two spells. <laughs> your spell with one book. hit
0: point. Someone so.
1: st- someone stole your other spells. He's book. like, I jump in front of the gorgon <laughs> and I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> I'm, so. going to, I'm going to mend the gorgon's tail <laughs> to his leg. <laughs> To mend his mouth, can you That's mend right. his mouth? That's right. Ooh, that would be Come on, right? I'd, I'd give it a roll, saving throw, right? So <laughs> at
2: least a, you know, a twenty. Well, the, the um, well, think about it this way: you've got the uh, the Gorgon's breath is the the gas, right? right? So push you just so it's almost like a
1: oh, like, there you oh, go, you ah,
0: push it back on, right back on, huh? Ah. Yeah. I'd give it a chance. Backdraft. I think I would. I, I just, roll just the cool. Of course, just, you do. I'm not that cool. No, you don't so. have to rule the rule of court. All right, David. Well, thank you so much. So on behalf of the rest of us here uh, on Grog Talk, I'm James. I'm Dan. And we will see you uh, next week on uh, Grog Talk.
2: This is Bill, a Bushy Public Production. All rights reserved.